Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Where's the defense, Rip City? Seriously, where is it? This is the Believe in Trailblazers show. The Portland Trailblazers have won the World Championship. On Believe Podcast Network. Boom, chakalaka! Portland's number one sports podcast network. Now. The Blazers win in four overtime. Plus 40 to 137. Here's your host, Jordan Schultz. The Portland Trailblazers are giving up 114 points a game. Good for 23rd in the league. You know, fans, the 2019-2020 version of this team is dangerously close to, to the point of no return. Even if they get a couple of wins this week, it, it's still a steep hill to climb in the Western Conference. Uh, I mean, they are so good this year. It's stacked if you look. Obviously, L.A. at the top with Denver and Utah and Houston all right in the same spot, five games behind them. And then the Clippers and the Mavs nipping right at their heels. The Blazers sitting pretty low, not even in the playoff picture at this point. So it's a steep hill. We've all heard the old saying, defense wins championships. Well, this team doesn't even have the defense to win games against teams they should be beating, like the New York Knicks or the Minnesota Timberwolves. Damian Lillard is one of the top 10 players in the NBA, but he's not an elite defender, nor should he have to be. He makes his money scoring points and setting up his teammates. So can Terry Stotts and company figure out an answer to these defensive woes that we're going to talk about? Or will Portland fans be seeing this until Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins come back? Yusuf Nurkic may be expected right after the All-Star break. Zach Collins sometime after that, we're hoping. Jordan Schultz sitting in with you for episode two of Believe in Trailblazers on the Believe Podcast Network. Believe is Portland's number one sports podcast network. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? If you have any burning questions about Rip City, you want answered on the show, or if you heard something I said and you want to tell me I'm crazy, please hit me up on Twitter. It's at on the air Jordan with an O, J-O-R-D-O-N, on the air Jordan with an O. This show is available wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn as well. Before we dig into this week's topic, by the way, there is a quick injury update for you Blazers fans to pass along. A backup center, Scalabissier, he's been out since the Lakers game December 28th. Uh, he's had a second MRI this week. That revealed a left knee articular cartilage lesion. So he's going to be out another month, and Portland is going to continue to miss that blocking ability until he is reevaluated. He's literally the only guy on this roster besides Hassan Whiteside who is a true center. Yikes. That's where the Blazers are right now. All right. Let's dig into the topic of the week, though. Where's the defense? You know, the theme of the season can be summed up in one word. Struggling. <laughs> Eight games under 500. The Blazers are 23rd in defense, playing 
under Terry Stotts' typical scheme, they're giving up the 23rd most points in the NBA this year at 114. Terrible. It's absolutely awful to watch some nights. They're executing this poorly. Actually, 11th in defensive field goal percentage uh, effective defending that, which I guess if you're looking at numbers, it's a slight improvement over last year. I don't want to dive in too much to that, but that's negated by them giving up a bunch of shots at the rim, not giving up rebounds, and then letting guys dish it out for three-pointers. And that's happening a lot more to the Portland Trailblazers than it was last season. And speaking of rebounding, Portland 27th in the league in defensive rebounding this year. When they force misses, which they have been doing at times, that's what that 11th in effective field goal percentage against teams shows. So they are absolutely getting misses out of teams, but when they force those misses, they can't get the damn ball. They're just not efficient on defense this year. They're giving up a ton of points in the paint, almost 50, uh, giving up a bunch on the fast break as well, and opponents just laying out in the paint, getting a lot of fouls, getting to the free throw line. They're actually 28th in attempted free throws by opponents per game, 26. That's just terrible. They're giving up a ton of rebounds, like I said, and they're giving up a lot of turnovers. And when the teams that they're playing grab those turnovers, they're taking advantage, and that's been happening all season long. And we're almost at the halfway point. One specific thing, if you look at their defense, because you talk about the flow of games, and you know you got to change their zone, there's man-to-man. I don't want to get too deep into that. That's just boring, but... Specifically, when you look at a team like against the New York Knicks, I mentioned they're losing games against teams that they should be winning, like the Timberwolves, the Knicks. Portland's pick-and-roll defense has looked terrible against teams like New York. It's just another example of this team struggling to implement younger players into this rotation. They just don't have the same guys as they did last year. You know, watching that, it's very concerning Defending the picking roll is pretty cut and dry. It's pretty easy. Either switch or follow around the screen. The Knicks are not an elite team, which tells me the Blazers simply aren't talented enough as a unit or they were just playing lazy when they were at Madison Square Garden. When you're losing to the Knicks, who are in absolute turmoil right now, I mean, they are just terrible. 11 wins on the season so far. You know the state of your roster is on shaky ground if you're Portland. I mean, they just fired Fisdale. New York is not doing well, and Portland's going in losing that game. I don't care if it's on the road. That's a problem, even if you're fighting injuries. I, I get that they're not going to match up against the LA Lakers and the Milwaukee Bucks. It is beyond frustrating, though, to watch them go get a win over Toronto on the road. Last second, Carmelo hitting a great shot, getting a good feeling going for the team while on the other end, unable to take care of easier opportunities against, say, the Cleveland Cavaliers as well. Ridiculous. Once again, you have to remember that Portland has no one, healthy at least, who is capable of making the impact that they need. And they actually had that on defense last season. Uh, Here, this is a really good analogy. Think of the Blazers like a police department, all right? You got two sheriffs, Dame and CJ. Then you got Carmelo, kind of like the undersheriff, the next guy behind the sheriff. He's the one that, you know, handles all the other stuff, talks to the media and whatnot. And then Hassan Whiteside, who's kind of the captain, 
He handles the defense and basically the only guy that's doing that at this point. Then you've got Herzonia, who's like a deputy, Mario Herzonia. He's got a bit of experience, but he still needs to grow in his total knowledge of the game. And then after that, all the rest of the deputies, like Anthony Simons, Scalabissier, he's out right now. Uh, Gary Trent Jr., Nersi Little, they're basically brand new and learning on the job. That's the issue every time the Blazers are on defense. They're just fighting themselves. Remember last year how free-flowing they looked? Al Farouk Amino and Mo Harkless just made it look for them. Helping Damian Lillard, complimenting CJ and Dame's scoring ability to, you know, fill in, get those corner threes, make those shots that they needed to when the Stars kicked it out to them. But then on the other end, we're making those hustle plays. They're just really those glue guys that the Blazers just don't have this year. And Al Farouk Aminu, actually a really good example. My fiance, she loves watching the Blazers with me. She's from Boston, by the way, and she's a Celtics fan but really more of a Blazers fan and has converted since she's moved here. But she watched Al Farouk Aminu in his first couple of years, didn't really like watching him play for the Blazers. The last two seasons, she absolutely loved it because he was there every time, either with an important block or he stole a pass, he got that key turnover or he hit a key shot. And that was just night and day far and above what you saw him doing in his first year or two with the Blazers. So how long did that take? for Aminu even, to become a force on defense. This is basically Portland, in that sense, kind of starting over with guys like Scal, Anfernee, and Mario Herzonia. I'm not sure he's a piece of the future, but that's who they have right now. The intimidation Portland brought last year on D, it's no longer a fear that opponents are worried about. I mean, they just don't have that. They're simply just allowing pick and rolls to the hoop, Portland is, and... Even more problematic, we mentioned it a second ago, is their inability to get rebounds in those situations. So easy baskets, drives and dishes, and the two-man game have been killing the Blazers all season. They just don't have enough, A, big enough guys to defend without Scal, Nurkic, and Zach Collins out, and B, enough experience to pick up on how to defend those plays like Rodney Hood. And... If you really look at it, it's not just the lack of experience. The losses on the defensive end, let's be honest, these guys are human. They get old after a bit, over and over and over. And I have seen the team simply not giving effort at points. They do give up. I'm not trying to knock them, but it's hard. I would too. Like I say, they're human beings. I'd find it challenging to give 110% the entire time. This kind of stuff's happening. That's frustrating. At a certain point, we all have our limits, and it definitely looks like they're trying to fix things. You hear a lot of Damian Lillard and the rest of the team saying, hey, we're working on defense only in practice after shoot-around, basically. Uh, but how effective can any team in the NBA be with Anthony Tolliver filling in as your starting center? I mean, not trying to knock the guy. He's a great locker room presence. He's been great in the NBA for every team that he's played for as far as showing up and doing what he needs to do. He's somebody that can come in, hit a three every once in a while. But Terry Stotts is working with what he has at this point. The team is 16-24 and 24 to start the week and falling fast. Still, just a game and a half out of the A spot in the playoffs. So think about the positive, I guess. <sighs> Here's something to chew on. Portland's record was near identical to what it was now the year that they traded Mason Plumley 
to the Denver Nuggets for Yusuf Nurkic. And that year, they came back, were able to get a spot in the playoffs and show fans in Portland and the rest of the nation in the NBA, hey, you know what, Portland's here to play. And they actually have a lot of experience and guys that are kind of coming together in ways that they didn't expect. And Nurkic kind of helped with that and his acquisition and growth really quickly turned things around. So that could happen. Oh, and good news about uh, Yusuf Nurkic, by the way. Casey Holdall of Trailblazers.com, he reported this week that Yusuf was participating in shoot-around uh, earlier this week. Though, of course, you would expect his extent of participation is still a little limited. It's awesome, though, <laughs> to hear about him getting back to action as he gets closer to returning. At this point, I think we're looking at after the All-Star break, right around that. So just cross your fingers, Blazers fans. We'll see. So ultimately, fans, when you ask where the defense is, it's gone. This season, you're having to restart. You're having to get these guys in. Anthony Simons has to grow a little bit more. Nasir Little hasn't had much of a chance. He's still very young. The point is that they just, there's some growing pains that the Blazers are going to have to go through. And it's not the season that we expected. They're not going to get anywhere close to the Western Conference Finals again like we were hoping for. And honestly, I think that we should temper our expectations. It stinks, but sometimes you have to understand. I mean, the Blazers, they have such a high payroll, $147 million. They've got to make some moves and kind of try and maneuver a way to figure out what their future is going to be. And speaking of that, so really, where's the D? It's just not here anymore. And the Blazers are looking for answers as to where that is. And unfortunately, it might be some time, at least another month and a half when you get Nurkic back before you see that defense back on the floor when Portland's playing again. And speaking of which, uh, I wanted to talk about something uh, trade-wise before we get to this week in Blazers history. Uh, I got to eat crow on something important regarding Blazers trade rumors. Uh, last week, episode one, of Believe in Trailblazers. I was talking about Kent Bazemore, Hassan Whiteside. They're both on expiring contracts. So the team in the position where they have to get rid of at least one of them if they want any chance at having a playoff-ready team during Damian Lillard's prime. And I'm talking beyond this year. We're maybe hopeful, like I was saying earlier, that they'll get the eighth playoff spot. But that's no guarantee this year. They're pretty much waiting for that defense until another bigger guy like Yusuf Nurkic comes back and Whiteside can maybe play with him. And so I like Hassan Whiteside. I've already said that I love what Hassan brings to the table for Portland. So I really don't think Portland needs to trade him. If they can use the bird rights and re-sign him, I'm okay with them having to pay a bunch of money to a guy like that to keep him. I really think that he can fill and split minutes with guys that are already Neil O'Shea needs to be desperate to get a piece for Kent Bazemore. And last week, I was dismissive of those Danilo Gallinari trade rumors. And I was stupidly unaware that a trade of that nature would include Gallinari's bird rights. Uh, Gallinari playing with the Oklahoma City Thunder started 33 games for them so far this year. He's a great three-point shooter. He's a stretch three, basically 6'10". I, I would compare him to just um, a not nearly as talented and much shorter Dirk Nowitzki, but somebody of that realm that has longer arms. He's European, so he plays that style, and he can hit shots, and he can hit shots 
all over the court, and he could really bring the rest of the offense together. And to pair him up with Damon CJ, and then to add with the rest of the team going forward, like Nurkic, Carmelo Anthony, I actually really like that deal because Kent Bazemore is on an expiring contract, and he hasn't really fit in with Portland like we've expected him to fit in yet this year. So I am super excited, actually, about the possibility of a Kent Bazemore for Danilo Gallinari trade. I think that that should happen. So I eat crow. Dismissive of it last week, I was totally an idiot, Blazers fans. I absolutely think that Neil O'Shea needs to do everything he can to make that happen. You get him here, you can re-sign Gallinari in the offseason, and then at that point, I know that they already have the highest salary cap in the NBA. The Blazers do it like $148 million. So signing players with bird rights, finding them through trades like Gallinari and the draft are the only ways that you can prove improve, excuse me, free agency becomes almost out of play, you know, besides the mid-level exception and other smaller moves you could make. So trading base more for Danilo, it's a no-brainer. Olshay must do everything in his power to make that move. Damon CJ are making crazy money and they're in the prime of their careers. The Blazers, they're going to be in a tough position for the future if they just let Bazemore go without getting anything. Imagine this team's depth going forward if they were able to trade Bazemore for Gallinari, re-sign him, and Whiteside. I just a total dream here, but like imagine Dame, CJ, and Gallinari, and then like you got Melo at the four, or Zach Collins, and Yusuf Nurkic, or Hassan Whiteside, whichever, probably Nurkic. And then imagine Whiteside is an energy guy coming off the bench playing 30 minutes. And then, of course, you still have Melo, Scalabissier, Rodney Hood, who's going to come back and make an impact on the defensive end and hit those threes off the bench next season. Anthony Simons. And so at that point, it does get a little crowded because you still got like Anthony Tolliver, Gary Trent Jr. And uh, other players that you got to hand time to as well. But maybe at the, you know, in the end of the year, Terry Stotts can pull guys playing time back like Anthony Simons and Scalabissier. And you kind of just pull it down to an eight-man rotation. Really good guys that you're talking about. If you get Danilo Gallinari in Portland, I really think that that has the potential to be a really good lineup for Portland. And it actually makes them a lot bigger because then you've got a 6'10 guy playing small forward all the time. All right, I'm sorry. I'm getting a little too carried away with what that could be. But just imagine Bazemore for Gallinari and then get Whiteside re-signed. I think that that would be a huge positive going forward. There are other guys that have come up in rumors uh, the Grizzlies, Andre Iguodala. I do think he's too old. I mean, the Thunder, Steven Adams, kind of the same thing as Hassan Whiteside is offering you right now. Um, and then you got Dwayne Dedman from the Kings and the Knicks, Marcus Morris, being brought up in connection with the, Brazer, the Blazers, actually, all uh, by Yahoo Sports' Chris Haynes. So the, trail, uh, the trade deadline at February 6th. So let's cross our fingers that the Trailblazers get something done. All right, Rip City, it's time for This Week in Blazers History. And this one's really cool. I had to do this because uh, just this is somebody uh, this week that I think every Blazers fan has just connected with Portland basketball. And you can't think of Portland without thinking of this guy. Mark Mason, the PA announcer for the Portland Trail Blazers, called his 1,000th game as Blazers PA announcer this week. So this week in Blazers history, we're going to talk a little bit about Mason really quick before we get out of episode two of Believe in Trailblazers. This voice, every fan finds comfort when watching the team live. 
you kind of hear him when you're sitting, either listening on the radio or at home in the background. He's been sitting behind the mic since 1996, just a year after the team moved into the Rose Garden from the Memorial Coliseum. If you didn't read it, Joe Freeman of the Oregonian did a really cool piece on Mason this week and uh, did an interview with him as well. Just talked about how he originally got the PA job. I mean, talked about his dreams as a public address announcer starting in the late 80s when he used to cover Sacramento Kings games at Arco Arena. It's just a really cool feature on Mark Mason. It's just, you know, when you think of him being there and all the cool things that he said, all the fun, you know, quippy phrases that he's had over the years, there's no Blazers basketball without Mark Mason. He's really set the tone and the emotion for what's going on in the Rose Garden and now the Moda Center. And it, this article is really cool. I really challenge you to go read it. I'll actually tweet out a link to it at On The Air Jordan with an O on Twitter so people can see that from Joe Freeman on uh, for the Oregonian if they want. So just go check that out. It's really cool hearing about how he got the job. He had to compete against two other guys. Actually started, uh, if anybody does remember this, the initial auditions were basically in a tent outside in front of the Coliseum and people were walking up and having to do the game on a mic and just watch it on a TV screen and do it as they were actually there live. So, so pretty cool story. Mason had a run-in with a couple of Hall of Famers, Carl Malone, uh, Charles Barkley, the other. We don't really have time to go into these stories. I wish we did. Uh, but just really cool story involving Carl Malone and underpants. Uh, that's all I can tell you. It's a great tease. Uh, Mark Mason, of course, he's always been known for incorporating unique twists into those pregame introductions we all love. Unless you live under a rock, you know, he uses the letter O rather than the number zero to introduce Damian Lillard. That letter O stands for Oakland, Ogden, and Oregon, uh, everywhere Dame has been from and played. Uh, Mason is also the only public address announcer right now to introduce his team's foreign-born players in their native languages. All the way back with Sabonis is where that started, of course, in Lithuanian during Mesa's first year on the job. Nicholas Batum in French, Rudy Fernandez in Spanish, and his Cantor in Turkish, Yusuf Nurkic in Bosnian now. It is so freaking awesome, and I love that he is around doing that, and I hope that he is around for another 1,000 games. So Neil O'Shea, Maybe if he could find a way to bring in the younger Sabonis, DeMontis Sabonis, we could keep that going with Nurkic, just get the Lithuanian introduction going again. That's just the ultimate dream of mine as a Blazers fan. Anyways, congratulations to you, Mark Mason, and your successful 1,000-game run doing PA for the Blazers. The Moda Center and my childhood would not be the same without you, and I know most of Rip City agree with me. All right, that's a wrap on episode two of Believe in Trailblazers. If you have any burning questions about the team you want answered or think I'm crazy, hit me up on Twitter, on the Air Jordan with it on. We'll get to them. We'll answer them on the podcast. This podcast available wherever you listen to them. iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn. Please do me a favor. Give the show a five-star rating. You'll really be helping me out and get that random algorithm to show this new podcast to as many listeners as possible. You can also find the show at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com and Believe Podcasts on Twitter. 
If you like the show, please tell all your fellow fans about the newest show on the block, Believe in Trailblazers. And if you're interested in advertising on the show, please contact us at Believe.com. That's all for now, Portland fans. I'm Jordan Schultz, and I'll talk to you next week. Rip City, baby. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.